0: Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and today we're continuing our series on biblical prosperity. And there's often a lot of spiritual teaching on finances, and we can easily forget that walking in God's financial will isn't just about, you know, believing for provision. It's actually got a lot to do with wisdom in how we live, how we work, how we manage our money. And we need to operate in spiritual and practical wisdom in our finances and today we're going to have a look especially in the book of Proverbs which was written to impart wisdom in all areas of our life especially finances. Proverbs actually considers wisdom to be the greatest prize we could have. Get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth, do not forsake wisdom and she will preserve you, love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all your getting, get understanding. Exalt wisdom, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. And so it's very much to our benefit to study financial wisdom in Proverbs. There are three key words in Proverbs that we receive through the word of God. One is knowledge. That's the facts of the matter. Two is understanding, which is the relationship. Between the facts, the principles behind it all. And three, wisdom, which is the skillful application of knowledge and understanding to our life. And, and we can only increase in wisdom as we actually put the word of God into practice. So Wisdom comes from the word of God and it leads to life and blessing. So as we align our life with God's wisdom, so what happens is his blessing can flow freely and uh, we can enjoy more of God's abundant life. The opposite of wisdom is foolishness, which leads to death. Now, (coughs) however much knowledge and understanding we might have, we can really only gain wisdom as we start putting the word into practice. Only then will we get the rewards of wisdom. And so first of all, we're going to just point out that that the reward of wisdom, one of its rewards, is prosperity. Happy is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Notice, if you receive wisdom, then along with that comes riches and honor. She's compared to a beautiful woman with riches in her hand. And and so wisdom will prosper you. And uh, the more wisdom you get, the more of God's blessing can be manifested in your life. Proverbs goes on in chapter 3 to describe why walking in wisdom is the key to your blessing. Verse 19, it says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he made the heavens. So, God created the world according to wisdom, to operate a certain way, according to certain laws. You know, you have a certain machine or device uh, that you buy that works a certain way. If you try and make it work another way, if you, especially if you don't study the, the book that goes with it, and you try and use it another way, you'll get diminished results from it. But if you use it according to the wisdom of the maker, uh, by reading and following the instructions of the handbook, it will perform well and you'll get the full results from it. And so God has made his universe according to wisdom and he's given us his handbook, which is the Bible. And if I read the book and live according to the wisdom there, then I will be fully blessed. He has built things to operate according to certain laws, like sowing and reaping. And uh, so if I've got the wisdom, I will get the, the blessing of that. It says, the crown of the wise is their riches... But foolishness of fools is their folly. The crown of the wise is the riches. So wisdom leads to financial blessing. In Proverbs 8, wisdom actually speaks to us and says, I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me with wisdom, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, and fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I might cause those who love me, that's the love the word of God, to inherit wealth, that I might fill their treasuries. Yet we should seek wisdom rather than money, but finances are a byproduct of that wisdom. If we just seek after money, that's not wisdom, and it will be fleeting riches at best. It says, through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it's established, by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And so that's the first point, that our one reward of wisdom is prosperity. The second point is that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1.7 literally says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, wisdom and instruction but fools despise it. And then it also says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the respect, reverence, the honouring of God and his authority. It's an attitude of submission to him as the final authority. Do you have that attitude to the word of God? It shows itself in a readiness to quickly obey without arguing once God's will is clear. It says by humility and the fear of the Lord Our riches, honor, and life. See, the fear of the Lord means putting God first. In Chronicles, it talks about King Uzziah. And it says, as long as he sought the Lord, as long as he put the Lord first, God made him prosper. The start of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, is putting God first. Now, later on, he started to seek his own things and his life fell apart. If you put money first, you're on the wrong track. But once we realize that money is not ours, but it's really God's, and we're just stewards of that money, and we honor God by giving him the first fruits, and we fear the Lord, then, praise God, that we are operating in the fear of the Lord, and we qualify for his blessing to flow. If we honor him as the Lord of our finances, then he is able, that is wisdom, and with wisdom comes riches. As Proverbs 3 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase or your income. Then your barns, your bank accounts will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. Hallelujah. Well, in your financial planning, the first fruits, the first part of your money belongs to God. He's the Lord of your finances and you honor him by giving him the first fruits. if you think well it's my money I'll give God a bit at the end if there's any left you're not honoring God you're not fearing God and you aren't, you haven't even begun to walk the path of wisdom well the third point I want to point out about wisdom is that wisdom is meek this means it's humble it's teachable Jesus said the meek will inherit the earth a meek person's teachable, he, he learns, he receives training, correction, he learns from those who've got more experience, who are further down the line at, at whatever, and, and are better at it, and they learn from their mistakes. He finds what's good and uh, who's good at it and he learns from them. But without meekness you'll never get very far, you, you will miss the main blessing. You know, the meek always wants to learn. He never, he realizes he's not perfect and he's always wanting to improve. He's always wanting to learn. And that's a major aspect of wisdom. And it's a major aspect of prosperity that you are always meek. You're learning. Some people are stubborn, you know. You try and tell them, look, don't do that. It'd be better if you do it that way. They just get upset with you. I've always done it this way. I'm not going to change now, (laughs) is their attitude. And they're not, their success is going to be very limited, because of that. Proverbs says, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Just keeps making the same mistake again and again, because he's too proud to admit he's wrong. Poverty and shame, it says, will come to him who disdains correction. But he who regards a rebuke will be honored. He will prosper. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You know, if you never let yourself be corrected or or trained, you'll just be like a dull axe that's not very effective. But if you receive correction, then you'll become sharpened and you'll be much more effective and prosperous. You know, if something's designed to be a personal attack, then of course, that's not from God. You're not to receive it. But if, if it's something, a correction on our actions, then we should assess it and Try and learn from it. We may not enjoy that correction, but we need—we need to be sharpened. You know the tortoise and the hare. You know you might see yourself as a tortoise, uh, and learning anything is a big struggle. And someone else seems to be like the hare—they just are quick. They pick it up quickly. But you know, usually the tortoise wins in the end, because if you just keep making progress, you keep. Applying yourself to it, staying teachable, being open to new ideas, becoming better. Eventually you will overtake that one who thinks they know it all. They learnt it quickly, they think they know it all, and, but they never um, carry on learning. And uh, they eventually will get overtaken by the tortoise who just keeps plugging away at it. So the Colossians says, whatever we do, do with all our heart unto the Lord and having a spirit of excellence, being meek, always wanting to improve, that's a major key to witness. You know, when God created the world, he didn't do a half job. He saw it and he said it was good, it was excellent. It was rich, it was abundant. And the Bible says that we've been created for good works, for excellent works that God's prepared for us to walk in. We're all called to do different good works, but we, we mustn't settle for just doing a minimal job a satisfactory job. You won't be successful that way. Go for excellence, aim to always be improving. Don't settle for mediocrity. As it says, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. You know, however gifted you are naturally, you will never reach that level unless you develop it by practice. Even if you're a natural musician, you still got to continually learn, practice, reach for excellence if you're gonna reach that level where you're really gonna prosper. Excellence in our work, you see, brings glory to God as well. Jesus said, let your light, that's your witness of your words of the gospel, shine before men so that they see your good works, your excellent works and glorify your Father in heaven. Two things are necessary really to be an effective witness. Yes we need to shine our light, we need to share about the good news, but we need to back that up so that when they hear the message and they look at our life and they see good works, they see excellence, then that adds the, the extra punch to the message that they need to take this seriously and they will give glory to God. They will come to faith. Hallelujah. And so God is excellent in all he do- does and he wants his children to be excellent. Meekness is a key aspect of, wi- of wisdom that we continually to work on our skills and what we do to be good. Now a fourth aspect of wisdom is that wisdom teaches diligence, hard work and perseverance. Uh, in other words, the ability to finish what you've started. And wisdom rebukes laziness. Don't turn the TV set off right now just because I'm talking to you. All right? It says the lazy man will not uh, plough because of winter. He doesn't sow any seed. And he will beg during harvest and have nothing. He's, he's, he, he's lacking. He's in poverty. Not because God doesn't love him, but because he's just too lazy to do anything. It says, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but he, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So a big part of financial blessing is diligence. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in the harvest is a son who causes shame. Wisdom means being diligent in your life. You know, there's a certain season that things need to be done. You have to sow at a certain time. You have to reap at a certain time. And... Instead of doing it when it should be done, the lazy person procrastinates. They put it off, and as a result, it leads to their poverty. It says, the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is a man's precious possession. See, a lazy man doesn't finish what he starts. He's done half the job. He does the enjoyable part of the job, which is the hunting, but then he just can't be bothered now to to do the other part of the job that's a bit harder, which is to actually cook it and so as a result there is no benefit. Lazy people, they always start things and they never finish them because that needs diligence. That's the wisdom that's necessary to prosper. I like this one. A lazy hand buries his hand in the bowl and will not so much bring it to his mouth again. Again, he's all right for the downward motion because with the force of gravity helping him, it's not too hard to bring his hand down to the bowl. But the effort of bringing his spoon up to the mouth, is too much for him, so he faints. And so this is the lazy man. He'll, he does the easy part of a job, but isn't willing to do the hard part of the job. And so nothing he starts is finished. The lazy man says, there's a lion outside, I shall be slain in the streets. He's full of excuses why he can't do it, even appealing to imaginary dangers and problems. You know, if you don't do, want to do something, you'll find some reason not to do it. And so again... This is the weakness of character that leads to poverty. It says, in all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. So the lazy man is always talking about what he's going to do, but he never actually has time to do anything. He's an expert in his own eyes, and he spends all his time criticizing everyone else who are actually trying to do something, but all he does is talk. He's on the poverty path. It says, the way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns but the way of the upright is a highway. What's that mean? See, after a time, this lazy man, he, there's all these unfinished jobs. There's a disorganized chaos around him. And now after a bit now, any job he tries to do is very difficult. There's, it's like a hedge of thorns because there's all these other things that haven't been done that are actually stopping him fulfill his path, you see. He hasn't cleared the path ahead in his life. And, and so his progress is very slow and prickly but the way of the upright is a highway because he's prepared the way ahead of him i like this one it says nowhere where no oxen are the trough is clean but much increase comes through the strength of an ox and the ox is symbolizes hard workers you know now hard workers sometimes leave a mess but at least they are producing profit and benefit and then again it says as vinegar to the teeth And smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. Why? Because he never quite finishes the job. It's never quite done right. It's actually annoying. It'd be better if they didn't even do it in the first place because you're going to have to come along and and finish off or correct what they did wrong because they just couldn't be bothered to do it properly. Ecclesiastes says, The labour of fools wearies them for they don't even know how to go to the city. Even the simplest task defeats them, they faint in their minds because they don't have that mental attitude of diligence. It says that the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. You see, the only way a lazy man will do anything is if someone forces him, stands over them and threatens him. <laughs> you know, so it's, the only way is forced labor for them, but the diligent will le- end up as the head says, he who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. Something's badly done, you know, it's better, it's worse than if it was never done at all. So he's like a destroyer. Because it's all going to have to be torn down and done again. The sloth, I like that word because it's an animal who moves extremely slowly through the trees, you know. And so the simplest motion seems to take forever for him to do anything. And, and for the sloth, every task is difficult and is done very slowly and reluctantly, and he'd much rather be asleep. Laziness casts one into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Do not love sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied with bread. Yeah, we all need sleep, but the lazy man falls asleep on the job losing concentration easily, going into dream states all the time, looking forward to when he's in bed again. He's just not present in his work. The lazy man says, there's a line in the road, a fierce line in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. The only action you'll see for him is when he turns over in the sleep. And this is a picture of his life because he turns one way doesn't continue with it, and then turns back again. He never makes any real progress in his life. The lazy man buries his hand in a bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. I like what it says in Proverbs 24. It says, I went by the field of a lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns, its surface covered with nettles, its stone wall broken down. He's too lazy to maintain things properly. So gradually his business goes downhill. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. So again, he's leaving jobs undone, unfinished, I can do it another time. I will need to rest right now. And then for a time you can get away with that. Nothing terrible happens. And there's a gradual deterioration, but he doesn't really notice it. And he continues in his laziness, but it's easy to see what's going to happen eventually. At some point, suddenly, poverty is going to hit him because he's opened himself up to that. Let's learn from the ant, shall we? Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Which having no captain, overseer or ruler provides her supplies in the summer. Notice they're self-disciplined. They don't need someone standing over them with a stick to get the job done. They're proactive. They, they don't need someone to tell them what to do. And she provides the supplies in the summer and her f- gathers her food in the harvest. There's a timing to n- uh, many jobs. And the diligent roll up their sleeves and they do it on time. When it should be done, they don't put it off to another time. He says, how long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. What's he talking about? A passive mental attitude at work, Uh, just as much as physical sleep, just being sleepy. You know, we need to be mentally alert, mentally awake, and prepared to work hard. That's part of living in true prosperity. He says, if, you, if, you, if you're like that, he says, your poverty will come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Your laziness will catch up to you. Don't think you can prosper in life and be lazy. The desire of the lazy man kills him, it says, for his hands refuse to labour. He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. The soul of a lazy man desires he dreams, he covets, and he has nothing but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. You want to be blessed financially, you must be diligent. You see, the desires of a lazy man just lead to depression because he, he refuses to put in the work necessary to fulfill them. But the diligent one follows through and, so, and he gives. Wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. I like that. See, a wise man has dreams, but he focuses on what needs to be done now to make progress towards his dream. The fool loves to dream. His focus is on often, always off into the distance, but he never has his mind on what needs to be done now. And so his dreams are just that, they're just dreams. Proverbs 12 says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but whoever follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. So instead of diligently progressing in his prosperity, Mr. Lazy gets diverted into things that have no value. Don't bear any fruit. He wastes a lot of time on entertainment pleasures and, and he hopes that he'll find to get a way to get rich quick. Some easy money because he doesn't really like to work. And the key to prosperity, you may not want to hear this, but the key to prosperity is hard work. There's no shortcut. Yes, we need to believe God for his blessing, but faith without works is dead. And we need to, that blessing of the Lord makes rich, but he blesses the works of our hands. It says that many times. It says, the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. The Lord your God may bless you in all to which you set your hand. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. The Lord will bless all the work of your hand. You have blessed the work of his hands. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the work of his hands. Blessed is the man and whoever, whatever he does shall prosper. He said, observe to do all that is written, then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. Then James says, he who is a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in his doing. Jesus said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And your work is a major vehicle that God uses for his blessing to flow in your life. Well, one way God blesses, it says wisdom dwells with prudence, and he discovers knowledge of witty inventions. I like that. God can give you a creative invention, a creative idea that's got a potential to bring in a lot of money, you know. But even when that happens, you've still got to follow through with that. You've still got to be diligent with that idea to make that a reality. And so you cannot avoid the fact that diligence is essential. It's great to have a vision. It's great to have an idea. But you have to add hard work to it if you want it to become a reality. You know, many Christians have a attitude you know we don't have to do well things well or professionally because God will just bless it and he'll make up the difference it may be second best but God will bless it anyway and so this is a mistake we need to be excellent on both levels in the natural and in the supernatural and we need to do the best we can in the natural and trust God to supernaturally bless it it's the two working together What I'm saying is this, that praying God's blessing on something that you do is no substitute for the hard work you need to do in the natural to make it work. If a Christian does average work and prays over it and a non-Christian doesn't pray but does it excellently, I'll tell you who's going to be asked to, to come back and do it again. A preacher may pray over his sermon but that doesn't excuse him from the hard work and study to prepare it properly, otherwise it will just be an anointed mess. Same goes for a worship team. So what I'm saying to you is this. God has made us to work. That's part of who we are. And we need to put forth that effort. The Bible is quite strong that God wants us to work and to provide for our families and to give from what we've done. We need to be diligent in our life and then God will bless the work of our hands.